you know what? I am really shy, so that is okay. <laughs> <laughs> Hi there, my name is Shoshana, and I'm a librarian at the Ypsilanti District Library. Welcome to the library's podcast, Ipsy Stories. Ipsy Stories is a podcast about the history of Ypsilanti told in story form by historians, academics, community members, and local experts. This podcast seeks to unearth stories and perspectives that may be new to you and are often unheard. Our hope is that by listening to these episodes, you'll gain better understanding of our collective past, present, and future. views expressed by each guest are their own and do not represent the views of the library. In today's episode, we'll be in conversation with Dr. Diane Logwood, who grew up with her family in the historic Willow Run neighborhood before moving to Southern Ypsilanti Township, where her family would be one of the very few Black families in the area. Dr. Diane Logwood is a poet, writer, activist, and assistant professor in the Women's and Gender Studies Department at Eastern Michigan University and also teaches courses in Africology and African-American Studies, Political Science, and Religious Studies. And now for the interview with Dr. Diane Logwood, which was recorded just one week after we recorded the interview for Episode 3 in mid-December of 2020. We talked via Zoom on a Tuesday afternoon. Let's have a listen. Thank you so much for being with us here today, Dr. Logwood, and welcome to Ipsy Stories. I haven't yet had the chance to interview someone personally about their own history. For the first two episodes, we had historians speaking to local history, but not to their own personal experience. This is a special treat for me and a special treat for our listeners. Thank you for having me. So I'll start out with a very basic question. When did you and your family move to Ypsilanti? Okay. Well, that's a very interesting story because I was born and raised in Ypsilanti. So I grew up for the first 11 years in Superior Township in Willow Run. And then partway through my uh, sixth grade year, we moved to Ypsilanti Township. So I'm, I'm a local person. I'm a local gal. <laughs> so what part of Ypsilanti Township did your family move to? We moved to the area. It's funny, it was considered the country back then, but it's actually just off Whitaker Road. Now there are like subdivisions, there's the library and different things like that. Before it was a cornfield. And now I've had the opportunity to see it really build into a place where there are actual subdivisions and neighborhoods and different things like that. 
But my formative years were in Willow Run, where there were lots of kids to play with, great neighbors, and a strong sense of community and safety. And then um, my father, who was a supervisor at Ford, and his brother and some of his friends decided to move into the Ypsilanti Township area. And in essence, each of those families ended up integrating the areas that they moved into. So all of them ended up being in many cases, the first Black family in those areas, which, of course, we all experienced, we all had a very different experience than we did when we were in the Willow Run area. Because, of course, it's different when you're one of many, and then you're one, one family. So the Willow Run area was much more integrated? Absolutely. To the point where it was where I first experienced seeing Black-owned businesses. So the, there was a store that was owned and run by a Black family. The person who picked up our trash throughout the neighborhood was someone who lived in the community. Many of the teachers lived in or around the community. And the women had all of these businesses. Avon. There were cake ladies. My mom was a cake lady. Women in the community also ran daycares, affordable daycares, uh, so that other women who needed to work outside of the home could do so and know that their children were safe. Also, it was where I first learned about gardening, community gardens, because often neighbors would share what they grew with other people, you know, with their neighbors. And so there was a real sense of, I learned what it meant to be a part of a community during my formative years. You mentioned cake ladies. Who were the cake ladies? My mom and a few of the other women would, whenever there was a birthday or a, a celebration, a wedding, there were women in the community who would make the cakes. And so for kids, they're like, my mom is a cake lady. And you could always rely on, and, and it was like just a few women and they would get orders. And it was like a side business, like selling Avon. Some of them did that too. Amway, some of them did that too. Yeah, so my mom was a cake lady. She took a class and learned how to bake and decorate cakes. You know, it was a nice side business and they were good, all of them. When you don't have like a, a bakery and you can rely on certain people in the community. My uncle was the person who made the sweet potato pies. That was his thing. So there were people who specialize and you always knew if I need something in a pinch, you've got, you know, the cake lady, the gentleman who makes the pies. And again, that's one of those things that I always thought was really cool about Ipsy and Willow Run. What motivated your family to move from Willow Run to Southern Ypsilanti Township when you were in sixth grade? I think it's because the family just got bigger. So there were four children. 
And I know that my dad wanted to own land, build a home and experience the American dream. And also too, when you are a part of a group of people who are moving in that direction where, you know, they want to build a life for their families, I think it was a little easier for them to make that decision because they weren't making this move alone. And the same thing was occurring within their uh, friend group many of their families were outgrowing their first homes and they wanted to experience building their own homes and owning land and what that legacy holds for their families. Around what year was it that your family moved from Willow Run to Southern Ypsilanti Township? As our listeners are probably aware, the development of Willow Run was much earlier than modern development in Southern Ypsilanti Township, much of which was in the early 2000s. Especially along Whitaker Road, Stony Creek Road, Hitchingham Road. I guess in my memory, it does still feel new. The development of Whitaker Road, textiles, Stony Creek, exactly what you said, is, is something, you know, for me, that happened over a span of 15, 20 years. So when we moved in to the area, it was the 80s, early 80s. And I remember it was a culture shock because, again, I was accustomed to being ensconced in a neighborhood where it was integrated, it was mixed. But there, at least on our street, there was mostly Black families. But when we moved into Ipsy Township, there were people who, of course, noticed that a Black family moved in and had opinions about it. And we did experience people yelling out of their cars, saying the N-word. Our mailbox was damaged, hit with like baseball bats, etc. So we would have to replace the mailbox. And that was very traumatic. And I remember telling my parents, asking my parents, well, what's going on? I mean, this is the 80s. So I'm a preteen and this isn't making sense. And not only did we endure a lot of racist backlash, so did our neighbors. Because you could see, even though we were a ways from the road, but it's obvious when you see two families interacting together. So whether we're eating together, we had like a picnic table and, you know, whether we're doing barbecues and we're interacting in that way, or they would see us in our neighbor's pools. I I recall my neighbor saying that Sometimes they would get calls in the middle of the night or people would actually put notes on their cars commenting about the fact that they were interacting with their Black neighbors. So yeah, lots of incidents occurred during that time. And what I think it awakened in me, I was already someone who was like a budding activist. Even when we lived in Willow Run, I always fought for civil rights or the rights of the students, my fellow students, or uh, fighting against injustice. And so this really, really pushed me to see the world in a different way. And of course, now, whenever I talk to 
uh, some of my colleagues who live in Ipsy Township, they're like, what do you mean? You know, everybody in the neighborhood is, you know, there are all these neighborhoods that are integrated and mixed and lots of black folks. And I said, well, you're looking through the lens of someone who's been there in the 2000s in that area, you know, and even mid, you know, within the past 10 or 15 years, you know, I said, I moved in in the early 80s. <laughs> so, you know, so of course there's been enough time for change to occur, etc. But back then, when you are the only one, you do feel isolated and exposed. And it was quite an awakening for an 11, 12-year-old to feel that and to have to understand you know, that there were people who did not feel that we deserved to be there. So when your family moved there, it sounds like it was more country, like houses along major roads, less exurban like it is today with subdivisions and site condos. Do you still live in the area? No, I live outside of the area now, but I work in Ipsy. Went to high school there. I teach at Eastern Michigan University. It's been in the past 15 or so years that I've actually moved permanently outside of Ipsy. Do you feel like things are different in Southern Ypsilanti Township these days, or do you feel like it's mostly the same? I feel that things are different. My mom is still there, so I'm still, of course, there all the time. And of course, I see a difference in the physical landscape. Of course, I see Black people all the time. And even over the years, my mom has had Black neighbors. And so, yes, it's very different. The subdivisions that were in the planning stages or where there were a few homes have exploded. And there's a Kroger's, (laughs) you know what I mean? And, you know, and then all these restaurants. And so that also brings more people and different people into the area. And, you know, of course, change is going to happen. And some of the businesses that are on Whitaker Road and in the Kroger Plaza are Black-owned businesses, woman-owned businesses. That's something that I couldn't have imagined driving by the cornfields. And so, yes, it is different. And again, Uh, Some of my colleagues and former colleagues who are also African-American live in these beautiful subdivisions. And so, yes, um, just knowing more people of color in the area, yeah, that's a difference. So some things have changed and some things are the same. And so, of course, in many, many, many years, I don't know of anyone who someone has yelled out of their windows or damaged their property because, you know, they are Black. I I don't know of that. I'm not going to say that it hasn't happened in recent years, but that's not a story that I've heard. You know, one of the things that I can also say about growing up in Ypsilanti Township It put us closer to a lot of the things that we would celebrate about Ypsilanti, um, like the Black Cultural Arts Festival that was at Perry School growing up. You know, that was something that was like really, really cool that we looked forward to. Also, too, we attended church in Ypsilanti. 
St. James Church of God in Christ and on like first in Monroe. And one of the things that we could look forward to were the concerts that happened throughout the year at all of the churches in that community. It was a very close knit community where the people, the members work together with people in other congregations. So for example, churches would do fundraising. And I remember Eastern's gospel choir would come and they would participate and they would put on concerts at a lot of the churches in the area. And Eastern really had a presence in that community. That's something that I remember. And it made those of us who were members of the church want to go to Eastern because the gospel choir was so involved and so cool. And they were role models for us. The churches collaborated over the summer so that the younger members could attend Bible school throughout the summer. So we always had something to do. We were well-fed because they took care of that. They actually came and picked us up. And it was almost like a coordinated effort within that community. And so there are things like that that I remember, the Heritage Festival and working at my friends, the Harners owned the teacher shop in Depot Town. So going to the Heritage Festival after spending time at the teacher shop was a treat. And so some of the idealistic experiences that I experienced in Willowrun also happened in Ipsy Township and in Ipsy. So it was like the bitter with the sweet. I remember students from Eastern working at the teacher shop. So having the experience of interacting with people who would talk about what it was like to be a student at Eastern. And I was in the marching band in high school. And every year there was, I would consider it the battle of the bands. So Wooleron High School Band, Ypsilanti, Lincoln. And we would have our moment at one of the games. And so they made space for us. Of course, now it makes sense how I ended up teaching there because there are fond memories connected with Eastern. Growing up, do you feel like you experienced more connection to the neighborhoods your family were living in or to different cultural communities regardless of where your family lived? That is a wonderful question because I think it's a little bit of both. So you're talking about membership in a variety of communities. So there was the religious community that we were a part of and interacting with congregants in other churches within the area. So that was a social group. And we spent a lot of time in that space and in those spaces. My father was also a Pentecostal preacher. And so that was one community. And one of the things that is very beautiful about Ypsilanti and Ypsilanti Township when I was growing up and still today is that a number of families live in Ypsi Township, Ypsilanti, Willowrun, et cetera. And so you have various cousins. There are a lot of large families in those areas and they remain large families 
in those areas. So even if some of them move away, they move out of state, there is still a strong sense of community there because for generations, members of various families have remained in and around Ypsilanti. And also too, when I talk about family, I don't necessarily want to say that family is limited to people who have a biological connection because within these spaces, people were also able to choose or create or recreate family. I have definitely always felt in certain areas or spaces within Ypsilanti and Ypsilanti Township as a part of a family. And it's one of the reasons why I really work hard at creating community and safe spaces for my students because those spaces were created for me, whether we were related, as they say, by blood, or there was that strong biological connection. Again, it didn't need to be there. It was because we were from Ipsy, or we were from this area in Ypsilanti, or we experienced this together in this space. And you see that today, you know, when you go to different art spaces like Riverside, and you just like walk in to support, whether it's a student production or community members to view their artwork or to listen to local poets, et cetera. There's that sense of belonging because you are made to feel welcome. And over the years, even with the rocky times that my family experienced within that space, there were always people who made us feel welcome. And of course, as my parents said, this is where we belong. We deserve to be here. Are there any more stories you'd like to share about how your family experienced Southern Ypsilanti Township in the 1980s? One of the things I did appreciate was the fact that we had neighbors who made a point of standing with us and to experience that and to have conversations where we had neighbors that recognized what racism is and what it looked like at that time in conversations with us. And, and you know, in many ways what it looks like today, but back then would make a point of speaking out against it and making it clear that, of course, this is how some people react to Black families and white families, you know, interacting at this level and having a clear affinity for each other and, you know, children playing together and the fact that some people feel very threatened by that and change being difficult for some people to accept. My neighbors would talk to me about that. And I found that one, it was very eye-opening for me as a young person. And I also think too, that it was healing in a way to be able to have someone engage with you fearlessly and honestly about, yeah, this is what the world is like. I don't agree with that behavior, <laughs> but you know, this is what you will more than likely continue to face because there are people in this world who feel this way 
about Black people. And then there are people like us who are working on some of the opinions and stereotypes that we've had. And, you know, I had a neighbor who said, well, you know, before you all moved in, I had my opinions about Black people. And I could tell that he was really struggling with that because he was like, and I found out that I'm wrong and that I was stereotyping. And to have an adult admit that, it means something to someone who is a budding activist and to have these conversations and to, you know, ask them, well, where did that come from? And, you know, to have someone say, well, this is how I was raised. And even though it it felt wrong, I still sort of harbored, you know, some of those thoughts and feelings, even later on in life when I met Black people and started to work with them, et cetera. And I think that although it was difficult in many ways to hear that later I understood what a gift it was to be in the presence of someone who could admit that they were racist or prejudiced or grew up in spaces where that was allowed, but then how they grew to learn that, no, that's not true. And I shouldn't judge people in that way. I guess I was just glad that they didn't feel they needed to lie to us about how they felt and how they grew up. So yeah, that was one of the things that I always found very interesting about that time period, because of course my neighbors were well aware of the fact that I would be in the paper, I would enter contests, writing contests and oratory contests, and I would talk about freedom and civil rights and racism. So, you know, my neighbors knew (laughs) because I was in the paper. And so I think that too may have pushed them to really be open about their experiences. And they would ask me about my speeches because at the time the Ipsy Press would print my speeches in their entirety sometimes. I had also won the Eastern Martin Luther King Jr. contest and all of the school districts participated. And if you won, you would give your speech at the luncheon. And I won two times in a row, my 11th and 12th grade year. And it was nice to have my neighbors ask me, what inspired you to write this speech? What are your experiences, et cetera? So I think that also over time opened up the lines of communication to where they felt comfortable talking about race and racism and definitely in ways where we would engage with the topic in a meaningful way, not as... I'm an adult talking to a teenager, but, you know, where there were questions like, well, explain to me, what does this mean? And, you know, what, what are your experiences? And what do you want people to do now that you've written these statements or this poem or this speech? How do you hope things will change? And when do you think that would occur? And my neighbors, they actually weren't that much older, so they were... On one side of us, they were a younger couple who had bought the home from their relatives who (laughs) moved out a few years after we moved in. (laughs) And then on the other side, you know, we had a variety of uh, various neighbors as well. 
And so, but the neighbor on the other side has been there. And I think the one just down a ways has been there for many, many, many years. And then now their neighbors have been there for a while. That's, that's one of the things that I remember. Any other stories that stick out from growing up in Willow Run and Southern Ypsilanti Township? One story from Willow Run that I remember is there was always someone coming into the community selling something, whether it was vacuum cleaners or beauty products or Girl Scout cookies, you know, just different things like that. But if there was a stranger who came into the neighborhood or anyone who entered into the space, you could hear telephones ringing up and down the street, letting people know there's someone in the neighborhood, whether they were selling something or it was someone who um, was strange. And I find it very interesting because, of course, we didn't have cell phones. But somehow everyone knew that someone who didn't belong in the community was there. And I appreciated that type of built-in community watch. And where some people might say, those are nosy neighbors. But there were so many children in the neighborhood that to have people who were that vigilant really helped us have the type of childhood where you could be outside until the streetlights came on, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, I remember us running outside for ice cream because we had ice cream trucks then. We had a bookmobile that came into the neighborhood. The library came to us. I thought that that was awesome because I've always been an avid reader. And one of my fondest memories about the Ipsy District Library was the time that the librarians spent talking to young people like regular patrons. And the fact that because they realized that I loved reading so much, they allowed me to take out more than the allotted amount of books. And that made me feel special. It made me want to read more and to like consume books in a way that helped me travel to different places. They even suggested books to me. I would share them with my sister and we would stick them under our mattress so they would come back nice and neat and that the spine wasn't damaged. And the librarians always complimented us on caring for and loving our books. And I thought to have adults interact with you and to make you feel like you matter, that was really important to us. And we did have a set of encyclopedias. So we did have, of course, books in the home, Dr. Seuss, etc. but this was special. You know, these we could go out and select from, you know, whatever subject area and just escape into whatever world we wanted to through books. And so those are some of my fondest memories. Also, interestingly enough, there were always people in Ipsy selling things out of their cars. So you could get produce. You could just pull up someone was barbecuing in the parking lots or selling watermelon out of their trunk. And we would just say, oh, you know, we have to get, you know, some stop. We would tell my dad to stop. And 
you know, he would barter with the person and, you know, we would bring home just various things because, you know, that's just what people did. So those are some of my fondest memories about being in Ipsy. Great food. You could get it in various places. All the churches sold dinners, you know, because you were there all day. So we had access to food and sweets and different things like that from places and spaces that don't necessarily exist today. Like unless you go to like a farmer's market and maybe that was the version of the farmer's market, but spread all over, not designated to one place. And so those are some of the memories along with the festivals that will always make me think very fondly about growing up in Ipsy. I think it's interesting that for some people, especially those who didn't grow up here, they think of something like the downtown farmer's market as being so novel and so new. But had they been here the whole time, they'd know that this kind of food economy has been such a big part of Ypsilanti for a long, long time. Right. And a lot of Black farmers, you could get vegetables, etc., bread, zucchini bread, etc., pies. Again, from people who look like you, from people within the community. And um, again, that was always the treat. And something that, of course, you take for granted because it's always been there. You don't understand until you get older, like, that was really cool. What are other fun events you remember from when you were growing up in Ypsilanti? You mentioned the Black Arts Festival. I'd love to hear more about that and other events. Music, rides that would be set up in the parking lot. I mean, it was just food. Of course, I'm always talking about the food. People in Ipsy who can cook. <laughs> you know, we have Black-owned restaurants and, and different things like that. So that, that was just, again, a part of the landscape. It was just so much and you would see everybody. And, and so when you say, and the whole community came out, well, yeah, the whole community <laughs> came out to the <laughs> festival and you would just have the time of your life. I also forgot about the fireworks. Every year, the 4th of July fireworks along Ford Lake. That was also a big event that I forgot to talk about. Growing up, we could not wait to go to the fireworks. And everybody would be out there on blankets, et cetera. And again, it was everybody. So everybody in the neighborhood. One of those things where it was just about being in the space and enjoying the time and just looking at something spectacular. It's a really big deal. And of course, the lights during the Christmas holiday all throughout Depot Town. You know, just going to see see the lights and you would drive through Riverside Park. So that would be a treat where you could see all the Christmas lights. They would decorate the trees, all the concerts at Frog Island, all of the things. <laughs> Do you think the Ypsilanti area has improved in terms of integrated neighborhoods? If not, what do you think that would look like? And what do you think would need to happen in order to change that? I would say it has changed. 
one of the things that I believe changed the cultural landscape of Ypsilanti was the closing down of a couple of the plants. And so when jobs leave areas, a lot of families who had been here for so long, you know, people had to watch a lot of their relatives move away. We did as well. Some of our relatives moved away. So I believe bringing more jobs back into the area, and these were good paying jobs. Um, when I was growing up, you always knew people who had their own businesses, but they also worked in one of the factories or in the hospital. And now, and even then, those were good paying jobs. We also had very vibrant and thriving school districts. So again, when the jobs left, we now have a combined school district, Ypsilanti Community Schools, where we had separate districts years ago. And so while the neighborhoods, many of them, I can't say they're all integrated, et cetera, while many of the neighborhoods are integrated, I've also noticed too, as we all have, gentrification that is occurring within Ypsilanti that has changed the landscape. I would love to see affordable housing for people in the community. I would definitely want to see neighborhoods, beautification projects for neighborhoods where the members are aging. I believe there needs to be some assistance there, more support for our community centers, including Park Ridge. I would love to see a lot of the programs that were very much so designed to assist people in our communities. I would like to see those return. I would like to see them supported and sustained. That would enrich the communities as they are, but also encourage more diversity within those spaces. You know, I would love to see home ownership programs, and especially for families who have been here for generations, like home assistance, where if you're able to donate your time, you will qualify for this amount of money if you support or work in a community garden. I guess I would like to see people work with those who live in the community, who've been in the community to find out what they want and need and then to assist them in getting those needs met. That's what I would like to see. And I think that it would change how we view community and I also think, too, that it would enrich the community in ways that we could never imagine. And it might also encourage uh, some of our students who attend Eastern to put down roots in the community in which they spent so much time getting an education within this space and bringing the students into those spaces and giving them the opportunity to own a home. I would like to see that. And I think, again, that it would strengthen our communities and especially programs that take into account the aging members of our community.
There is one final thing I wanted to make sure to give a shout out to the school systems in both Willowron and Ipsy were amazing. I had amazing teachers, very supportive. Those are spaces where I experienced what we now call diversity. So there were Black teachers. One of my teachers was Latina. You know, I had Jewish teachers. And again, that shapes your experiences as you are growing and changing and developing to have role models, a variety of role models, but to experience also to having role models that look like you and who encourage you, whether it's broadening your horizons when it comes to what you read. So I had a variety of teachers, Miss Calloway, Miss Brown in high school, Miss Adams. I had a Black science teacher, Miss Gomez. And so I always want to make sure, even in my kindergarten teacher, Miss Blake Washington, all of these were community women who really wanted to make sure that all of their students receive the best education possible. And I will always be grateful for my experiences in those school systems. And it's one of the reasons why I believe I became an educator because of the ways in which I was cared for throughout my K through 12 experience. And I would be remiss if I didn't talk about that part of my history. So thank you for giving me the space to do so. A special thank you to Sam Killian for all his work on the Ipsy Stories webpage. We couldn't do it without you, Sam. A special thank you to local musician Annie Palmer for providing music for this podcast. You can check out more of her music at anniepalmermusic.bandcamp.com. Thank you so much for listening to Ipsy Stories. If you liked what you heard today, please consider subscribing and telling your friends and neighbors about this podcast. You can subscribe to Ipsy Stories wherever you find your podcasts. You can also explore previous episodes with additional resources at ipsylibrary.org slash ipsystories. If you have ideas or story suggestions, you can get in touch with me at shoshana at ipsylibrary.org. That's S-H-O-S-H-A-N-N-A at Y-P-S-I-L-I-B-R-A-R-Y dot O-R-G. Thanks for listening, and see you next time. Thanks for listening all the way to the end of the episode. In our next episode, we'll be talking to Linda Horn and other members of the Palmleaf Club, Ypsilanti's Historic African American Women's Club. If you don't want to miss it or other future episodes, you can always subscribe to Ipsy Stories on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends and neighbors about us too. Bye now.